0: Welcome. Good evening, everyone. Uh, Welcome to another episode of Journey to the Pit, and I'm Jim Collins. Uh, Tonight, we're going to have another special guest on, hailing all the way from the Philippines. It's been a highly anticipated interview. Uh, Many of you guys know our special guest that's coming on. Uh, For the ones that do not, y'all guys will get to know him this evening. Um, Had a great opportunity to be speaking with him over the last couple of days, talking about, you know, a lot of different things. And uh, we kind of came to the conclusion that this episode that we're going to do... You know, with our special guest tonight, we're going to kind of focus on, you know, just a few topics and kind of go uh, uh, really in depth. Um, I received a lot of messages asking a lot of questions about some things, so hopefully, we'll be able to get them answered. More so, uh, the topics we're going to probably focus on is going to be more so a pointing. You know, pre-keep conditioning and feed. You know, we're not going to go over the typical gamut like we do uh, usually, talking about breeding, brood selection, stag care, biddy care. You know, all those other topics that uh, that we normally talk about on the show every week. So tonight we're just going to narrow it down and just talk about a few topics, but try to go really in depth. Um, A lot of guys are very interested in this topic. Has always have a lot of questions um, about this topic and since our special guest is located in a country where the sport is legal, uh, he's able to talk freely about, you know, how he do things, why he do things. And hopefully after tonight, you know, y'all guys will get a lot of answers to a lot of y'all questions. I think tonight, too, with our special guest, uh, he will open our minds to some different ideas and maybe get y'all guys to try something new. Um, some of y'all guys may have already tried some of these things that that he may talk about tonight. But I think this is going to be a very great interview like all the rest of our interviews. But like I say, tonight, uh, without special guests being in a country that the sport is totally legal, um, he'll be able to talk more freely and go in more in depth about certain topics that we typically can't really address uh, due to our location. Um, so he'll also be talking a little bit about the tools or the knives or the collectibles, depending on where you locate it. You know what you call them. Um, he'll talk a little bit about that, but um, we're going to get in depth about you know his his methods that is 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 uncommon. I will call it uncommon um, being you know from Puerto Rico and the states. You know his methods is not very common, uh, but they have been very very successful for many many years. So um, I'll go ahead and I'll bring out special guests. So I hope y'all guys enjoy this episode tonight. Um, and any questions that y'all guys have, definitely post them in the comments like y'all usually do, you know, every week. Um, again, I will try to address some questions, but it's a lot of information that we'll be covering tonight. So Jin Jin is definitely going to try to, uh, you know, we definitely want to try to pick his brain tonight and get a lot of detail about what he do and how he do it. And uh, if we got time to take some questions, we will. So uh, another thing, too, before y'all guys, you know, get antsy about this is going to be the first episode of many uh Jinjin Jin has agreed to come on the show for more than one time so we can talk about other aspects of his uh program but uh like he was saying his program is very very in-depth you know, it would just take all day, you know, to kind of go through his whole program. So what we are going to do is focus on these topics tonight and then he'll come on at a later date. And then we'll talk about another aspect of his program. Um, I know a lot of y'all guys have already went over to his uh, Facebook page and got it kind of got an idea of his background, but when we bring Jinjin Jin on, he'll introduce himself. And then also to, he'll tell you about some of his past history, his past successes, and then we'll go ahead and get into the, uh, get into the interview i see we got a lot of guys already checking in from california arizona texas ohio um guys are hawaii i see uh guam i greatly appreciate y'all guys joining us once again tonight yes and uh i don't know if we're going to be able to talk a lot about what jinjin Jin is known for in the philippines which is those domes or bully uh depending on where you're located in the world but um The guys who know him know that he's very, very famous for that. So we may touch on that a little bit, or we may leave that for another episode, depending on what uh, we're able to get done. Um, Also, I would like to give a thanks to uh, Jay Sanchez. You know, he really kind of put me in contact with Jin Jin and helped this uh, interview um, uh, become possible. So just want to give a shout out to him. So let me go ahead and bring in our special guest this evening, uh, coming all the way from the Philippines. And give him a few seconds, two, one. Jin, 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 welcome to the show this evening. How you doing today?
1: Uh, I'm good, I'm good.
0: Great, great. Well, it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you and I have been talking a little bit over the last you know week or so, and uh, we kind of got to know each other uh, pretty good, and 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 uh, having an uh, opportunity to talk about different kinds of concepts and perspectives on a sport, but mainly me just asking a lot of questions and you doing a lot of answer, which I appreciate that. So mm-hmm. uh, tonight. They know who you are because I put up the post, but if you can introduce yourself and just tell us a little back history of you for the people who do not know who Jin Jin is.
1: Okay, I, first I would like to greet uh, some of my friends. Uh huh. First and foremost, I would like to greet my hermano, Larry Esquivel, okay. and two of my BFF, Jay Gentry and Todd Dixon, and especially to my uh, province mates, the California dreamers uh, would be Freddy, Freddy Patam and Fred Ovid. Hi, I've seen him, eh, he kind of like sent a message or said, said hi. Uh, I am Jenjen Arayata. I read domes and i want few derbies. the word slasher twice and the bakbakan derby once and been runner up in several word slasher derby and bakbakan derbies. And, uh, I've won a few of small-time derbies and big events too. And uh, I love chickens. That's what. That's all you I can say chicken. about it. Uh huh.
0: <laughs> I know you love chickens. So, Jinjin, tell me this: Are you first generation, second generation cocker?
1: Actually, I'm the third generation cocker, from my grandfather to my father and my uncles and me
0: okay okay so third generation so you've been around chickens basically since you've been born
1: mm-hmm. i've been with the chickens ever since i was six years old and i'm 53 now then probably that's 47 years of my experience on chickens
0: wow 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 that's all i can say so so jinjin Jin also too um i know you introduced yourself and talked about the things that you have done in the philippines but for the people mm-hmm. that know you that is not the only place in the world that you have competed in one so what mm-hmm. are some of the other countries that you have uh visited and competed in one in
1: i've been to mexico with the uh, larry Esquibel. we fought a main okay. i thought main we won that been to Guam many times and been to hawaii we went to island hawaii. And we went to put up a show and we kind of like judge and I was um I was there for disappearance. It was Larry that took care of everything. And especially in the States, I've been to backyard fights in the States, Under the Trees, in the, inside the garage. I mean I've been to Bayou Club once, I've been to Oklahoma, Mount Scott, Dibble. I've been, I've been almost everywhere. I mean that's uh even in college days, I, w- I studied in the States. Even in college days, every weekend, I go to background fights. And, uh, every weekend, huh? Almost every weekend.
0: Wow. Wow. So, Jinjin, Jin, man, you had an opportunity to, you know, s- to experience uh, uh, our sport pretty much all over the world. Um, and I know we're not going to take a lot of time up, you know, talking about that uh, this mm-hmm. evening because we want to talk about some other things but i do want to tap on just one, one point you know with you traveling all over the world right and competing is things different in all those different countries that you've been to like are, are things a lot different um and you ain't got to spend a whole bunch of time on this but i would just like to touch on it a little bit
1: well every every place is different though even in the states i mean the in California, we got a different cl- climate. In Mid-America, you have a different climate. In, in Hawaii, same thing. In Guam, it's the same thing. When I went to Mexico, it was wintertime, so it was really cold, so probably it's it's different too.
0: Right, right, right. So Jinjin, Jin, tell me this. You know, in, in a lot of those places uh, you've been to, right? Mm-hmm. You have seen great birds in, in all those different countries? Mm-hmm. well
1: the, most of the birds I've seen are they from their broodstocks or their bloodline they always come from the states like in the we import a lot of uh, we import a lot of bloodlines and we breed them here in the Philippines you go to Hawaii same thing you go to Mexico the same thing in one it's the same thing but it, the matter is the thing is how you breed your birds and how you cross them that's the biggest or that affects the quality of your bird.
0: Right, right, right. So, 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 and and the reason why I just kind of wanted to bring that point up is because you know a lot of times dealing with different people who hasn't been to other places, um, I just try to reiterate to them that it's good birds all over the world, you know, mm-hmm. and it's bad birds all over the world. Uh, but it's also good cockers all over the world, even though we do things different. And like you say, different climates, you got to do different things. You make different adjustments and you basically try to do things that work for the, you know, situation that you're in or the climate that you're in. Um, and that's kind of why I wanted to, that's why I asked you that question uh, since you have been to all those different places. So uh, things are different, but you still see great birds in all those different places.
1: Oh, there are a few great birds, man, that they're. They're awesome, but some birds are really—you uh, know—I mean, they—they're—they're they're just in for the money, and they're some of them. They, they just fight to gamble, and that's it. But uh, the one passionate enough, the one who really loves chickens, they're there. They—they they just want to fight their birds, and not bet a lot, though. They're in. They're—they're mm-hmm. they're just in. They just fight for the love of the sport.
0: Right, right, for the love of the sport. So, Jinjin, Jin, uh, in the Philippines, um, you know, obviously everybody in the Philippines know who you are. Um, I have received a lot of messages when, when they realized that I was going to be interviewing you. And they not only talked about the different successes in the, in, 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 in the derbies and the big events and stuff like that, but they also consider you one of the best knife tires in the world. I mean, I have heard that from at least 12 people that none of them know each other, but they all know you. And he was like, that guy, you bring it on. I don't know if you know him, but Jinjin Jin is like one of the best knife tires in the world. And I know I said that to you earlier. He was like, no, 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 there's a lot of guys out there better than me. Well, that that may be possible, you know, because that's all subjective. But how long have you been tying knives, man?
1: I mean, being the best knife tire in the world is, no, maybe outside of the Philippines, probably. But out, I mean, not not probably in the top 10, but. Outside the Philippines, though. Uh, But I've been tying the knife for almost 30 years now. For almost Almost 30 years. 30 years, huh? I've been been paying tuition fees before, but now I'm somewhere there. I'm somewhere there. (laughs) I mean, the Philippines, it's all even. It's all even
0: right it's all even yes yeah, it's, it's you're right it's it, y'all guys do it all year you know all year long and like you say our guys are very active so y'all get a lot of practicing um mm. so but Jinjin, Jin, tell me this though you know is it's night everybody's not a good night tired now or is that mm. what you're saying are you saying everybody in the Philippines are good tires
1: I mean you you can watch it on on the internet they teach you how but it takes experience, too. I mean, a lot of uh, if you know how to look at the legs of the chicken, you'll be able to tie the neck really good. But if you don't know how, you have to go back to the drawing board. You have to learn. Before you learn how to tie the knife, you have to at least learn how to read the, the chicken legs. If they're straight, if they're not, they're bow-legged. And what kind of knife do you have to tie? What kind of angle you have to put in your chicken? There are, there are variables and there are good factors how in tying the knife. But if you learn the basic, and probably in, with experience, you will be learning how to tie the knife in a proper way. But every knife, well, once, once it's behind the left leg, it can kill, no matter what. So if it's behind the left leg, they will kill.
0: So, so Jinjin, tell me this. I mean, you you brought up something that I really never heard talk about a lot was the fact that you said it's like different types of leg structure: straight leg, knock knee, bow leg, and you said you have to know that and know how to. Is it a particular like tie that you put on on those different structure of legs, or is it different angles that you would tie? Yeah,
1: it's different though. You got a knock knee. Once you put it the way inside, it's going to go horizontal. I mean. That's too much. Too what? Too much going in. Too much English in, and it's they can kill too. But hey, it's it's more like not going in. It's more like slashing. Instead of I mean, the one that kills is the one that goes in deep, but the ones that slash it, it doesn't. It does not go in, right? So mm-hmm. the one that kills is the one that goes in deep.
0: So so, so you different tie different the, the same- say the not but, neat ones you have to tie them on a different angle is basically what you're saying correct yeah okay it, okay it's and that's-
1: very it's very hard to explain if if you're not there i mean maybe some people would agree with me or some people would disagree with me because i mean they have their own style and i have mine
0: right right but, but you, like I say, you know, you brought up a point that I, I haven't really heard talk about is about, you know, bird spit which I know this, but you saying that, you know, first thing you need to learn is learn how to read the leg in order. Mm-hmm. That's the basic right there. You have to learn how to read the leg before you can even determine how you need to tie it. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then once you learn how to read the leg, then you can learn on, okay, not mm-hmm. neat you tie this way. Bow leg, you tie this way. Straight leg, you oh. tie this way. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and also too, Jinjin, Jin, tell us the size of the weapons, the variety, because I know we talked about it, but what is the variety of lengths of weapons that's used in the Philippines?
1: The maximum I use is like
0: three and seven-eighths, three and three-quarters. And the,
1: the least I would use would be probably three and a half.
0: Three and a half? Inches. Okay. <laughs> right, right. Three and a half inches. Um. Hmm. And that's that's going to be the minimum that you'll use
1: but if you really short
0: short legs probably i'll try at three inches if the, the legs are really short though okay that's what I that was going to be my next question so basically regardless of how long the legs are you still would tie it uh, three and a half but you said if they got short legs you would even go down as small as three inches
1: because uh, there are like
0: uh there's like three three twelve that
1: you probably you cannot use the three and a half you can, but no, I'd rather not.
0: Right, it's just too long. Uh huh. So, so, Jinjin, Jin, tell me this: Is it a particular uh way from looking at the length of the legs? Is it a particular uh, way from looking at the length of the legs that you can determine what size knife that you would like to use?
1: I mean, on the knock knees, I would probably tie a shorter, shorter knife. Okay. So they How won't the make bowling? a. Selfie. So they won't
0: make a selfie. You know what that is? Yeah, I know what a selfie is, and everybody watching knows what a <laughs> selfie
1: is. I mean, I mean, a selfie
0: is when, when you hit your own head. Right. That's of- right. A selfie. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's the, uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. Believe me. We know what a selfie is. <laughs> so, yeah. I, I thought it
1: would be no term for hitting your own self. But it's all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a funny one. I never use the term selfie, but as soon as you said selfie, I knew exactly what you were talking about. So I guess that's uh-huh. a term we'll use now, selfie. You don't want to do a selfie. So uh, so on a knock kneed bird, you want to tie a shorter knife. This uh-huh. way, you don't create a situation where the bird's going to give itself a selfie. Yeah, um, but- mm-hmm. yep. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so, Ginger, how about on a bow leg? The same thing. Thank same you. thing uh-huh so a straight leg is the only one that you really have the ability to do the three and a half to to, to a longer correct uh-huh okay so a knot knee bird you know a bow-legged bird you're always going to have to do like a shorter whip. so tell uh-huh. me this jinjin and i know you're not in mexico right now but you have competed in mexico and you got a, a great understanding of the limbs of the knives you know we're like short knife in mexico uh, would that would that be something they would need to take in consideration, even though the weapon is a lot a lot smaller, or is that the the bow, you know, not need the structure of the leg is probably not that big of a factor, or would it still be a factor with a short knife like Mexican short knife?
1: I mean, I've seen the Mexicans tie their knife; they're more on the inside, and they're that's that's the way I like it. So, and they're used to it. There are a lot of knife tires good knife tires in in Mexico because they've been doing it for for the longest time. And their angle is more on the inside, which is the same as mine.
0: I've got more on the inside. More on the inside. Uh-huh. Okay, well, Jinjin, tell me this. Uh, and this is a question that one of the guys asked and Randy asks. you know, do you tie the knife different for a bird that's a ground fighter versus a high breaker?
1: Not really. I, I just as uh so what I have told you earlier that I, I put my knife more on the inside. They can kill you up in the air, it can kill you in the
0: ground. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, gotcha. And uh and then you say that you know with, with, with a Mexican style knife that the knife is short enough that you know they already tying it probably most uh-huh. they the, the most effective way, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. Okay, and the only reason I say that, I ask that question because we have a lot of viewers uh, that, that that in Mexico, we have a lot of viewers in Mexico and stuff that, that show that that Mexican knife. And I know you have one in Mexico. So when you won in Mexico, was it a long knife or a short knife that you won when you fought they in Mexico? Were,
1: when I was brought there, they were trying to introduce the long knife there. Mm-hmm. So I fought a main, I picked three out of, I mean, I fought, it was a five-card main and I picked Three birds out of ten, and they, I told them to pick the two. And fortunately, the, the, the three I picked—it was a sweep. I won three straight, and that's it. No more, no more fight. Wow! Wow! They were—they were, they were trying to borrow my knife, but hey, you have your own weapon because I brought a—I <laughs> brought, brought a really sharp, and they were using there. So why would I give them a stone to? throw back it.
0: <laughs> so Ginger we also going to talk about that too well you know and now that we're talking about now that we are talking about the knife um, well how about in Guam do they do they do they show the same knife in Guam as they do in the Philippines
1: well some of them do I mean I mean they they get the, their knives in the Philippines and they bring it there but there are knife sharpeners there in Guam which is not which are not as good as in the Philippines. But most of the knife man there who's like they want to have their knife sharpened in the Philippines and they bring it back to Guam. Gotcha.
0: And Got there, you.
1: there are a lot of there are a lot of neophytes there who just want to tie the knife, learn how to tie the knife, and they'll be paying tuition fees.
0: To learn how to,
1: I mean they would right. just most of the, the young young Chicken fighters, there they would get a chicken on the court. They just want to tie a knife, and they'll fight you, and they would they want to beat you, right? But they have to pay the tuition fee, though. <laughs> <laughs> Where they were, compared to the good ones, though, they 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 got the disadvantage.
0: They got the disadvantage, right? Uh-huh. Right. So. But but at least they got to learn though. I mean, they got to learn somehow. You know, they're going you to be in a disadvantage, but they got to they gotta start learning somewhere.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they have, you have to pay, but I'm uh, good enough to teach them how. I'm good enough to teach them how. I've taught several uh, people from Guam, the local ones though, not the Filipinos. Man, They know the Filipinos
0: now. Right, they know. Well, yeah. well, well Ginger. since we're talking about the tools right now, um, you know, is, is it the metal? Is it the edge? You know, what, what makes these knives, what makes knives better than the other knives?
1: It's this. It's kind of our metals that are what you call it, brittle, but they, they stay sharp. But the, the tendency, they break, though. So you go look for, you go look for a metal that would be, I don't know the proper term, that would be not too brittle, and not too soft, somewhere in the middle, they have to stay sharp. They have because there are metals that they're not that sharp when you sharpen them, they don't get sharp. So, you try to pick the, the, the ongoing thing here. Now, is they use this the circular, circular saw, okay? Uh huh. The high speed steel, there are different types though. But for me, I'd rather, there are different thickness too. I'd rather, because I've used 1.8 mm, 2.0 mm, they, 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 they flew, they, they broke. So I might as well use the 2.5. It's a lot heavier, but I mean, I'm more confident that it's not going to break.
0: Right. Uh-huh. So and, you use uh, a thicker metal, right? You use uh, a, thicker, uh-huh. a thicker metal, even uh-huh. though it's heavier but it's less of a chance that it will break than using Uh a thinner metal, which is lighter, but it's a Uh chance that it will break.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And my my knife's
1: maximum weight would be 11 grams.
0: 11 grams. Mm -hmm. That's the maximum weight. And, and, Jinjin, tell me this. With an 11-gram weapon, what is the typical size of your bird? Uh, It's
1: probably 4 pounds, 4.4
0: and up. Oh, 4.4 and up, huh? Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and, 4, and, ginger. 4.4 and up
1: and up going up. This maximum would right. be because the maximum weight here in the Philippines, is like two five, that's probably like five, five, six, five pounds, six ounces.
0: Okay. 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 So you, you do have some that get that size or typically. The, the regular ones are like 2.2. That's
1: like 412.
0: Okay. Okay. Like 412. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. So, um, so we got 11 gram weapon with a, at a 2.5 millimeter thick, right? Uh, huh. and it weighs about 11 grams and it's typically going to be mounted on a, on a, on a chicken, which is 4.4 and up 4,4 mm-hmm. to 412, I guess. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm so, I'm, I'm so inching to start to talk about your domes, but we just gonna hold off a little bit because our, you know, guys are already in the, <laughs> guys are already in the comments wanting to know about those domes. So uh, we're not gonna get into that right now. So we talked about, uh, we covered, you know, the knife. You talked about the limbs that y'all guys use, the thicknesses that's used, the different types mm-hmm. of metals that's also used, and the importance of the knife. One of the most effective things is the knife being able to get extremely sharp and hold the mm-hmm. edge, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Got you. Got you. So, guys, we covered the knife, uh, you know, pretty much as as uh, uh, as in depth as possible. Um, but tell me this, Jin Jen. And I just see Ray Cortez j- just asks asked. Um, he says here. Let me just see here. I don't know if you can see it.
1: Uh-huh. But he
0: says, uh, do you really think the weight of the knife is important for a really strong bird? So, if the bird is really strong, do you think the weight of the knife plays a role?
1: Well, at the first, at the start, it it, uh, it doesn't matter at all. But on uh, when it comes to drag, it really when it, it goes over thirty seconds, I mean, it's a different story, though. It is the a lighter story. The knife, so the, the lighter the knife, it uh, you you get an advantage. Not that much, though. I mean, everyone here in the Philippines uses that, so. I cannot argue so it's like even,
0: mm-hmm. even playing field uh-huh. but you're saying that it, it could come into play that the way that the knife could come into play the longer it goes on right
1: mm-hmm.
0: yep okay so ray hopefully that answered your question on that uh, we got another question here and i don't want to take a lot but i would just take a few obviously in mm-hmm. philippines y'all just use fork knives and not sockets correct
1: um uh-huh. There are only a few. I mean, some Americans that stays here in the Philippines they use the socket knife, but uh, well, they do use it, huh? Mm-hmm. Some some uses the Malaysian knife, which is a different kind.
0: So is that the Malaysian knife that comes all the way down oh. to the bottom of like the foot, the toe, and?
1: Mm-hmm. That's a different though. I mean, I've seen them tie it, but I'm not going to use that.
0: Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, I tell you, um, that shoot. They kill,
1: kill, kill, but I'm not going to use that.
0: Right, right. But you said sockets are, are, but sockets, so the most common knife in in Philippines is going to be the fork knife. The fork knife, right. Right. So guys, y'all see that. So the most common knife in in Philippines is going to be a fork knife. It's going to be about 2.5 millimeters thick. It's going to be about 11 grams heavy on a heavy end right mm-hmm. what's the lightest one how about the lighter ones well mine's like nine grams so between nine grams to 11 grams right
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay all right so so that that covers that um so jinjin Jin, tell me we talked about the knife you know uh uh you gave us all the details about that you know the first basis is is in, in the philippines you always got to learn how to read the leg you know, you got to tie the, the the knife based on the structure of the leg, straight leg, bow leg, not knee. That's something that you got to take in consideration. Um, so, so, Jinjin, Jin, tell me this. I know you said the, the Americans because Bobby, Bobby asked this. I know the Americans use the socket knife over there. Do you see a difference? You know, we all know they all kill. That's, that's, that's common sense. But do you see any type of advantages or different disadvantages or anything like that?
1: This is how it goes for me, okay? You guys said they're all the same. They're all the same. The same would be the same, but, the I mean, once – it depends on the, spa, on the socket knife. You cannot make that – I mean, it's hard to make adjustments on the socket knife. I've seen them talk, but some people do it. If they're really good, they can make the adjustments. The only difference is the socket knife and the Philippine knife. If you bring your socket knife to the Philippines, the Americans bring the socket, and they don't have the sharpened right, we'll have the advantage. Right. If they yeah. have a good sharpener,
0: that's even, even. That's and even. the metal, too, plays into a plays into effect, yeah, yeah, too, also, yeah. right?
1: Uh-huh. But some Americans, they'd rather have... I know, I know a few that they'd rather have their knives, the socket knives, made in the Philippines and bring it there. After using it for once, but they, who's going to sharpen it for them? It's hard to get a, a good sharpener compared, compared, you cannot compare the sharpeners in the Philippines and in the States. And one time, way back 1999, I we went to RAT. RAT is also a good friend of mine, Hatch Village. Went there, I brought, uh, I brought my knife with me, and he, he's got his. And we kind of like, we picked two pairs of birds.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And we, we, he, tied the, he, tied the, he tied the sock, and I tied the, the, the my knife, knife my, the Philippine knife, right. the fourth one. I beat him the first time. And the second one, OK, he, he got the best better bird than me. And he tied it on his right leg. I tied mine. I was able to kick. And I lost. Uh, that's how I mean. Rat and I are, are are good friends. I forgot. To, right. I forgot to say hi, hi to Rat.
0: <laughs> no, that's fine. So, <laughs> well, listen. So that right there kind of showed you. But you said one of the biggest difference that you see, um, you know, the biggest difference that you see is the metal and the edge that uh-huh. the socket knives are, are. And then also too. You know, with a Filipino, with a fork knife, just say fork knife, with the Uh, fork knife, if you know what you're doing, you have a lot more uh, uh, ability to make make the correct, uh, put it precisely where you want it instead uh, of having to try to, you know, I I don't know however they would ever adjust a socket knife. But I understand with a fork knife, you can twist it and turn it exactly uh, the way you want it, right?
1: Yep, yep. It's easier to make adjustments.
0: It's easy, And that's extremely important, especially when you understand that the leg structure plays a big part on the angle that the knife needs to be, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Got you. Got you. Well, guys, you know, this is going to be the first time y'all get, I think Jin Jin is going really, really in depth uh, with this. And we was actually going to talk about another subject, but we're going to try to get as, as, as much uh, information from Jin Jin while he's on here today. So, guys, mm-hmm. we covered the knife pretty much in uh, uh, all details, you know, what we can pretty much do on an on interview. He talked about the thickness of the knives, the metal that's used in the knives, the, the edge, you know, different metals hold different edges, um, the sharpener, the ability to sharpen it. Also, he talked about the fork knife and the socket knife, you know, why the fork, you can make a lot more adjustments, you know, with the socket knife, you kind of stuck with the pre-made adjustments that they already made in. And then also too, a lot of times they are not made out of that metal. That holds that extremely sharp edge, like the Philippine knives are made out of. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we covered all of that aspect wait, of it. Wait, wait, wait. Has to say. I see a question
1: here. It's running. It's like, hey, can Gen tell us how he tells how he knows if a bird is left or right? Like, right, is it left-handed or right-handed? Probably that's the question. I mean, the way I look at it, okay. I mean, it's like. More than 90% of the time, more than 90% of the time, the night man is right-handed. Right-handed. That's why it's easier for him to die the knife on the left leg. Wow. If you're, if you're left-handed, you can easily die the knight on the right leg. It, it's going to be awkward for you to tie. If you're left-handed, it's going to be awkward for you to tie on the left leg. That's all it is. So tell me, Okay, Jinjin. I, I, can tie that, I, that, tie uh, I can tie the left leg. I can tie the right leg.
0: Wow. So tell me this, Jinjin. So basically, you're saying that's really the reason that they're being tied on the left because the tire is a, right, a right-handed. You're right Right. Well, that seen? makes sense. I mean, because it, it's only about 8% of the population as left-handed. The other ninety-two percent of the population of the world is right-handed, so mm-hmm. so I guess, like you say, ninety-two. You said ninety percent, but ninety-two percent of the time, the the tire is going to be uh, right. uh, right-handed.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not common for a left-handed uh, the the tire to here in the Philippines. I don't know about the states, though, but probably it's the same thing.
0: It's the same because I just told you there's only eight percent of the world population that's left-handed, so it ain't gonna be. I don't care where you located in the world, majority of the people in that area is gonna be right-handed. <laughs> uh-huh. So, guys, I guess that right there. Jin Jin just dropped a jewel, and that makes mm-hmm. so much sense. And I never had never heard of that. So yeah. the funny thing about that you say that, Jin Jin, is 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 the South American countries, the Caribbean countries, and stuff like that that tie weapons on both legs. You know, mm-hmm. Peru, Ecuador, Venezuela, Puerto Rico—they they tie weapons on both legs. Mm-hmm. So I guess they 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 learn through a lot of practice uh, mm-hmm. how to mount a weapon uh, on both legs. But tell mm-hmm. me this, Jinjin: Jin, back in the day when it was legal in the sport, and in back in the day when it was legal in um, United States, they showed a gaff, right? Mm-hmm. and I have seen you know some the gas are not exactly the same angle on both legs what, what what do you know the answer to that or why
1: look at this okay most of the right legs of the chicken are not straight most I mean like 90 percent of the time it's like because you tie the right the, the the cord on the right leg for us in the Philippines and it it changes a lot it changed the the structure because once they, they put feet in them they would be stretching or they would be pulling the the, the cord so when they're young at a young stage like six months they record them like six months seven months they, they change the the bone structure by simply pulling the the string off the cord so it's the same thing They, they probably the knife man would the difference is it's hard for a right-handed to tie it, I mean to tie it on the right leg. And probably you won't see the difference. But if you have this, we have common sense, you can you'll be able to not that, that the same angle, but it will be near, close to what, you want, what how you tie the on the left leg and how you tie on the right leg. It's a, it's kind of like everybody knows how to tie the knife, but do they use their head? It's just simple as that. It may, they just, just tie the knife and they don't think about it. When you tie the knife, you always think, hey, look at the leg. What angle do I, do I have to put this? And what what not? I mean, it's all up to you. But ever, that's what I have told earlier. If the knife is behind the leg, they can kill. But you look for the one that can throw a single punch and go deep it it's going to kill
0: you quick. Mm, okay, okay. That, like I say, that that was some really good information because again, I just never, I never thought about it like that. That ninety percent of the people, you know, they're tying on that leg because they're right-handed and it's too awkward to tie on the other leg. And then mm-hmm. in the states back in the day when it was legal, they was using socket, so it really wasn't that much of a it wasn't really that awkward, because they just wrapped it, they pretty much just yeah. mounted it and wrapping it. They're not and really just- setting angles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yep.
1: But hey, they're not the same though. Both Most of the time, the right leg is uh, is different from the left leg.
0: Got you, got you. Uh, tell me this, uh, Ray just asks. And guys, y'all really get me out of my mojo because y'all y'all got me asking ginger Jin all these questions. But that's fine though because at least we make sure we address a lot of things that y'all guys are wanting to know. Uh, Ray is mm-hmm. saying that does it make a difference in high spur and low spur uh, on a on a bird.
1: Well, for me it's the same thing, but what kind of knife are you going to put though? The high spur and the low spur. What kind what type of knife? Cuz if you have a touring if you have a toe ring like the on our fork I mean our knives, If you have a toe ring, it's going to be hard though, because there should be an exact measurement of the base of the knife. If you have a toe ring, if it's high, then you will be pulling your pinky toe. So yeah, that's why my, my knife, I don't use the knives with a toe ring. I use the the Oh, no uh, Yeah, it. I can move it anywhere I want, even though it's a, it has a high spur. It's okay with me, because I I won't be having any any blockage. It's not going to bother the the toe ring, because it has no toe ring. The the, the, the toe the, the pinky toe.
0: Right, the pinky toe. No, I totally understand. So so no, you're exactly right. I mean, if you have it with the toe ring, then the the position of the spur is going to take effect because like you said it if it's too high it'd be pulling a toe you'd be pulling a pinky toe up or at least be uh-huh. irritating it yeah uh-huh. so so you don't you don't use the toe ring, right uh-huh. so you don't use the toe ring so you can move yours there's no restriction you can put it wherever you want to put it how you want to put it and it's all because understanding that that leg structure that position uh-huh. of how that leg is built is key to like you say but still it ain't you got to get it in the exact spot and all legs don't come like out of a box they ain't all completely the same identical way uh, right
1: uh-huh right
0: so well I, I I tell you that like I say that is uh that uh some amazing information and never thought today one of the big things you just dropped on me is pr- the reason that they are tying on that leg is because the vast majority of people are right-handed. Mm-hmm. And it's just way too awkward for them to tie on the left. That that right there, I promise you, a whole bunch of people watching tonight did not know that at all. Did not mm-hmm. know that at all. Um, I see Jesse is asking, you know, uh, well, he's just said, just like in, in the Mexican Knives, so I guess that's kind of the same. Um, mm-hmm. And y'all guys don't use any boots or anything like that over there, right? Just wrap. Just
1: no, we have this leather thing that uh, that we put the wrap then the leather thing then the wrap again it's like it's it's not gonna move it's not gonna move okay unlike before we only use the
0: wrap oh before you only use the wrap, huh uh-huh. well so what you, you learn how to use how to tie with the wrap I mean had to tie with the wrap and then you had to learn how to tie the new way that y'all use well not the new way but the different
1: way Way back 15 years ago i mean i was the one in the big time fights i was the one only i was the only one who were you using it because in our place there's this guy who gave me gave me a, a one leather thing and then i made adjustments and i i've used it for a long for ever since i started using it and we're looking at me in the big time, that, hey, why is he using it? Then after a while I was winning derbies with them with the, by using them. Then after a year or two, they, they, they they're now using them till now.
0: They're now using them now, huh? after you start winning them big time derbies, it seems like it's easy to get people to jump on a bandwagon. But I guess when you the trailblazer, it's hard to get, you know, people like you said, people were looking at you crazy. You was doing uh-huh. something different. It wasn't what everybody else was doing, and they looked at you crazy. Then you won a couple of those big derbies, and the same people who was looking at you crazy was saying, "Hey, Jinjin, how do I tie this?" And you looking at him like, "Ain't you the same one who thought I was crazy? Now you need to. Now you want me to teach you how to tie."
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> so, something you have you have to dare. To, I mean, you, you have to be different from the others, and when it works. They'll be copying you. They'll be asking you how to do it. And you should not be be selfish in teaching them how to use it.
0: I'm glad you said that, Jinjin. I'm glad you said that because I think that is a big, um, I think that's a big issue in our sport is a lot of guys uh, uh, are selfish with their information because they're so afraid of giving somebody the edge but on the flip side, it hurts the sport as a whole because, mm-hmm. you know, if you're only thinking about yourself and I always say a lot of times in my video, stop being so self-serving. You know, a lot of guys only want to serve themselves, but they don't want to serve the sport that has given them so much. That's just the way that's just my personal opinion. You know, you, you're selfish in a sport that has given you so much, but you're not giving anything back. And it's all because you're focused on, I want to win. Uh, but you know, for many, many years, Regardless of you having the best of everything, you're still gonna lose. So we talked about that earlier. You can have the best this, the best that, the best bird, the best knife, the best edge, and somebody can pull a chicken out of a box and beat you. So you know we we talked about that earlier, and 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 that's what you know. When I try to get across is the fact that don't withhold information just mm-hmm. because you think it's gonna, you know, always give you the edge because you mm-hmm. still can lose even with all the information that you have in your brain and the other mm-hmm. guy don't have nothing but a chicken in a box. So, uh-huh. uh, but, but Ginger, not to jump off the topic too much, uh, the, it, and I only want to say this real quick because you just talked about how you, when you transition between the old way of wrap, uh, of tying knives to the new way of tying knives, no, everybody thought you was crazy. Nobody wanted to see, you know, nobody wanted to do it. And after you won a couple of big derbies, then everybody wanted to do it. Well, isn't mm-hmm. that the same thing that happened with your dome chickens? Wait, What? Mike, say that again? It. Isn't that the same concept with, like, your dome? Like, you're famous for your domes. Did you, well, Your domes wasn't – I mean, dome chickens wasn't that famous at first, right?
1: hmm I mean, it's like this. I mean, the domes got famous when I won the – back derby it was way back 2006. Okay. In the Philippines, hey, that's one of one of my friends told me, that this old guy from California, I, I don't know if you heard of Jesse Horta. Yes. Jesse Horta, yeah, he's a, he's a good guy of mine. And he goes to be, you have to dare to be different. Right. And i I kind of like everybody with fighting sweaters. I mean, hatches, sweaters, most of the time, I mean, in the Philippines, Probably 80, maybe 70% of the breeders, they breed sweaters, especially the commercial ones, they breed sweaters and they, they meet in the ring sweater to sweater and you lose your advantage, right? Kind of like It was really an accident, because we bought this bullet, this dome from a, a friend of ours, and we got he won the derby. He won a fight. I mean, he won a fight and then He was disabled already, and might well, I was was locking a broodcock, and I used him. And uh, fortunately, I was able to breed winners out of him. I mean, I won first. I bred like, I had like 10, and um, I think they all won. They all won. And I I bred them, and then finally, I joined the Bakwaagan Derby, and I won the Derby. And it's with the been domes. Uh, with the domes, and, and it, it has been consistent. And the the guys, the breeders that got it for me, they, they were fortunate enough to, have, to breed the their domes and they've been winning. There was this good friend of mine who recently just passed. It was in June, it was Rob Ralph Daigo. They had two entries in Bakbakan. That was the year. The year was 2010, I think. All going to the finals, I had Six wins, it was. It used to be a 10, ten stack derby that time. I had six wins, one in six wins, and the other one was five and a half. Going to the finals, the ending was a four stack derby, so it's three, three, and four. He, he's got two perfect score Six, you know what? He ended up scoring a perfect 10 and a nine and a half. All domes, my bloodline. Wow, and Mike scored an eight. And a set and a six and
0: a half. Wow! So they're every, not only one in your hands; they have actually won in other people's hands, also.
1: Yes. And now, now, if you go to a derby, every derby, every derby, you'll find uh, domes, especially on stud derbies. It it was it's been a craze now. But hey, they they still like the sweaters, man. But. They're not different from each other, though, because buyers they wouldn't buy domes because they're not that as good looking as sweaters. Though, I'm not saying I don't breed sweaters because I breed them too. But right. I'm I'm happy with my bloodlines, but I have to have their bloodlines because you have to incorporate other breeds on your farm. I mean, they they right. have to get used to it.
0: Right 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 well we're going to talk more about that in another episode so because oh, we're going to stay on this we kind of we kind of said that because you already at, i don't know if you know Ginger, but we already at like an hour we did We did this uh, interview is already we already an hour in so well, so time so let, ginger <laughs> <place. laughs> so, let's talk about you and i was talking about a lot of different things and and just um you know, uh, you were talking, we were talking about climate control, feed, you know, uh, uh, moisture control and all that kind of stuff. So um, first thing I want to talk about is because you're very unorthodox about this, ver- just like you were with the domes. You came out, you know, with the domes, like you say, you got to be being different, you're very successful with the domes. But you also do something that's very uncommon, too, which you feed, you feed pretty much all pellets. Correct?
1: Mm-hmm. You're right. That's what I do. I feed the, almost all pellets. Almost all pellets.
0: Almost all pellets. Uh-huh. Um, and as you know, because you've been all over the world, feeding all pellets is not very common, huh? In other pla- parts of the world. This
1: is what people do not know. What is, what is a pellet? I mean, in pellets, you have crack corn, you have trigo, you have barley there. Depends on who formulated your pellets, but I, I've got my pellets are probably different from the others because I had a, a person who has a doctorate in animal nutrition, and I asked for his advice and I asked for his help, and he was the one who formulated it. It took a while for me to to make adjustments and on the CP and everything, but it's all there, it's all there now. But too much pellets. It makes your, your chicken really uh muscle. Call it, stocky muscle, full of muscle and it, you take away you take because you you probably one or two steps lower than the other one. You got to buy the body. But Nowadays, if you buy your birds, you need to have speed. I mean, they don't rush, but you have to have speed. Once they get caught should go all the way. I mean. With pellets, they, they, they tend to be, if you're, you're, you know, if you're really stocky and everything, you cannot, you, you're not as agile as the one that's really thin. So you have to, from my pellets, I have to, I have to make adjustments to make them slim and trim, but not thin, though, not thin. So it's up to you. It's your, it's it's instinct, probably. I don't know about, don't know much about nutrition, but I make adjustments. I ask. I ask. I ask questions on the, the proper authority what to do and what to feed my birds. Right, it, it's not from a chicken man. It's from a nutritionist who has a doctorate. On a doctor,
0: so so right. I mean that that's a great point too. So so you basically use scientific evidence. I mean scientific uh-huh. information to determine on how you formulated the pellets uh-huh. and then also how you make adjustments to your feed so you use a nutritionist uh-huh. that has a doctorate in animal uh-huh. nutrition and he helps you understand on how to adjust your feed but it's still uh-huh. the same thing yeah. i know you talked about it's still pellets it's not like he mm-hmm. add he got you adding grapes you know pineapples cottage cheese buttermilk you know bread he not popcorn he don't got you adding all that other stuff he just have you make adjustments on what uh-huh. is already a normal feed correct
1: you're right, right. But I don't. I used to. I mean, before, man. Bananas, <laughs> beat them. Bananas, apples, orange juice, buttermilk, oatmeal. Hey, that's not going to do anything, based on my experience. Wow. Maybe, maybe, maybe other cockers would uh, say it different. But I've been through a lot. I've experienced a lot. I followed the American way and best for me what worked for me now is simply common sense
0: so so tell me this jinjin Jin, because that is a huge uh and th- that's why i call your method unorthodox because now it is guys i know um in the states that feed nothing but pellets so i have seen it done before with success i've seen it done before with with success and uh that's why i wanted to get your input because you've been on a world stage winning feeding mm. pellets you know mm. not just like you say hat you know hack fights and you know garages and stuff like that you've been on world stages in some in the biggest derbies in the world feeding mm. pellets so that's why i, th- I just thought it was I, I i just feel as though you can give us a lot of information and, and from what you said it ain't really much information to give besides mm-hmm. the fact that you had an animal nutritionist formulate your pellets And Mm -hmm. over the years, y'all guys have made adjustments, not on the pellets, but the amount of pellets that you feed the chicken to keep them from getting too bulky. Correct?
1: Mm -hmm. Right, right.
0: Now, on your rations, what other stuff do they have in their feed besides the pellets?
1: I mean… Say that again. Say that again. I didn't quite get it. Now, what
0: you feed? You feed pellets, but you also feed something else because you said you feed uh, almost all pellets. You do uh-huh. feed a couple other ingredients.
1: Well, I put safflower, safflower, sorghum, cracked corn, a little bit of cracked corn, oat groat, barley, and trigo. But not that okay. much. It's it depends on the proportion though. I have my own mix, but I forgot to. I I, I need to. I probably I'll tell it to you guys uh, on the other episode. I get my. I have my own uh, formulation on the proportion though,
0: but I really make a judgment
1: with the grains. I get fifty percent of the grains, then two parts. Let's say one part of the grains and one part of the pellet. Sometimes two parts of the grain one part of pellet, or sometimes vice versa, two parts of the gray oh, pellets and one part of one part of uh, grains. It, it all depends gotcha. on how I feed the birds. It all depends on how I feel the birds.
0: It, 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 so when you feel them, you make, you de- make the determination um, of what adjustments you need to make, but you're not putting anything strange in their diet. It's the <sighs> same stuff they have already been given. You just make when some adjustments I'm, on a recharge. Yeah, while,
1: while I'm feeding my birds in the court, I would be feeding them during preconditioning and even in keeping same thing it's the same thing
0: so so now that you started that topic let's go ahead and move to that so guys you know Jin, Jin already explained you know his success in feeding the pellets and how he came up with the formulation of the pellets you know how he make adjustments on the pellets because, like he say, it will make them too bulky. So he 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 changes the ratio and what he feed on the pellets. This way, he can keep the body where they're more agile and flexible and not as bulky and stiff. So so Jinjin, Jin, tell me. You know we you talked about your feed, right? So you feed the same feed completely from beginning to the end, from cord yes. to pre-keep to keep to the day of the show
1: right right on the day of the show it's probably pellets alone pellets just
0: alone. pellets alone on the day of the show on the day of the fight
1: and okay. whatever what hey, jim jim whatever i'm saying it's this is not a guarantee win maybe you guys would disagree with me on what i'm saying but it's probably add a little something of what you learned from us and but this does not guarantee a win but i can tell you this Maybe the pellets you're using would be different from mine, so it would it would not have the same it would not have the same effect on your birds and in my birds. The way I raise my birds would be different from how you raise your birds. So maybe maybe I'm saying that's not right for you guys, or maybe I'm saying what's right. But no, but this all the deal this do is share share my knowledge for you guys. say you just.
0: Take the good ones and throw away the bad ones. Well, this is the deal. And you're exactly right. But see, the great thing about these interviews, Jinjin, is the fact that you're not trying to convince anybody to do anything. You're just Uh, here telling us what you do. Now, they can take uh, it or leave it, but that's uh, what these interviews is all about. You know, everybody that comes on this show, nobody has done anything the same. Like, every Mm -hmm. single person that has came on here has done something different, but they have all had success. So, like, Mm -hmm. I tell all of them. You're uh-huh. not here to convince anybody to do anything. We just want to know what you do. So when you tell us what you do, it may be it's like you say, some of the stuff we can use, some of the stuff we can't. But we want to hear all of it. You know, I want to hear oh. all of it. I don't want you holding back and of anything. Lay it all out on the line and let me pick out of it what I can use. If I can use three quarters of it, fine. Ten percent of it, fine. Or maybe I can. I can't use it, but I know somebody else that maybe can use it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jin, Jin, believe me, like I say, just keep this information coming because it's not about you ain't guaranteeing nothing. you just telling mm-hmm. us what Jin, Jin does. So, you know, why don't you, uh, us talking about this, why don't you or why do you feed the same feed throughout the whole entire from the cord all the way to show day? OK,
1: let's go. Let's go back. I mean, before I used to do, do the same thing, I mean. I make adjustments uh, once I get the chicken from the corn. I give the pre confeeds which is like every other Filipino does way back twenty years ago. I mean, we give them oatmeal with with germ, uh, dextrose powder, tomatoes, onions, carrots. I mean, cabbage. I mean, everything. buttermilk, milk, milk. But okay, from the corn we spare them. They there was they were super though. Then I change the feed, deworm, change the feed, feed it to what uh, the rest of the people are doing. And after two weeks of uh, light training, and then when I spar those birds, it's like, it's way different. I mean, instead of going up, it would, they're going down. I mean, mm-hmm. the sudden change of feed, I mean, it's it's different. It's not, we talk about Feeding feeding them right, but they're not used to them, and we're used to having this 21-day keep, and it changes everything. I mean, they 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 were not as sharp as they were not as strong and as good as before, compared to I mean they're doing it now, and it's like it's hard. When then I started, I mean I've been doing it. I same thing. I was winning derbies, but. I mean, sometimes I'm not consistent. To cut it short, I'm not consistent. And I finally, like, like six years ago, I was feeding pellets, okay, but they, they became too bulky. Like, and then what's happening with me? And like six years back, I made adjustments again. It's like common sense. I mean, I made adjustments again. Plus, everything I do. I mean, before i was i had this in hot house i had this humidifier. i have this uh, air conditioned room i have this control the climate and everything but it has changed a lot i mean it's really common sense I mean, like here in the philippines i mean you have to they say um it's the american way which is i i want a few derbies with the american way but i kind of like thought about it and hey from from the cock house, you control everything, humidity, temperature, everything there. I mean, but the thing is, you're in the cock house, once you get out of the cock house, going to the healing area and waiting for the going up the ring and inside the ring, there's a big difference. Let's, let's say that's a, like somewhere between, from the cock house, going to the healing area, to the pit, it's like somewhere between 20 to 30 minutes right mm-hmm. away there you don't see the factor from your controlled environment going to the pit or going to the healing area it will change temporary change a change i mean they, they change i mean staying there they change too going up the ring it's a different story then why why would you keep your birds on a control environment, and you know that a few minutes it will affect your chickens in a sudden sudden change of uh, room temperature and a sudden change of humidity. Why let your chickens stay in a control environment that you know after a few minutes it, they will be affected on a sudden change? Might as well leave it be. Just keep your chickens comfortable, not too hot, not too cold just a regular or the same the the same environment that they're going to go through from the healing going to the healing area to the waiting area to the ring and it it worked better for me i don't get my chickens too wet i don't get my chickens too dry and they're used to the same environment right controlled environment than to to the 20 30 minutes
0: span before you get your you chicken get in the drink. right right so so that that i mean again that that makes a lot of sense and, and you and i had talked about different analogies yeah. it's like you know you sitting in an air-conditioned car and it's 90 degrees outside and you uh-huh. open up the air-conditioned car you go uh-huh. out to walk from the car to the store and you're already sweating you know it mm-hmm. is you feel totally different than when you were sitting in a car with air-conditioned to uh-huh. the 10 steps that you took to the front door of the, of the grocery market and you and you completely, you know, sweating. So basically, one of the keys that you said you had learned was with the, the climate control, like keeping your birds in a controlled environment with the perfect temperature, the, perf- the perfect humidity with dehumidifiers and humidifiers and all that kind of stuff. They have them in that environment. You keeping them in that environment. The next thing you know, they have you had to take them out of that environment into the arena uh, or to the healing area. You know, Mm -hmm. the temperature is probably, you know, depending on how cold, you know, what temperature you have your cock house, depending Mm -hmm. on, you know, a lot of times arenas don't have any air condition. So it there's a big fluctuation in temperature. I mean, it could be as much as, you know, seven to eight degrees and people might not think that's a lot, but that's a lot. Mm -hmm. So you come from a controlled environment you said you you bring them to an environment that's not controlled, and they're in that environment for thirty minutes. So it's almost like everything you did in that controlled environment just goes to waste, huh?
1: Mm-hmm. That's, that's I mean, it's it's just the waste. I mean, the, there's going to be a big factor. I mean, hey, you know you know what happens if you get your chickens too empty. I mean, you go there and it, it will suck up all the moisture that's come going in.
0: Mm-hmm. right
1: right yeah, right it's just common sense for me It for me it's for all only for me I'll be on my opinion though
0: so. yeah but you know but it was it probably wasn't common sense to you when you were like 12 years old doing it you know you, 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 you it's common sense now after 40 years in a sport but back uh-huh. then when you was 12 13 or say five years in it probably wasn't common sense back then huh
1: mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's it's like it's <laughs> no i mean cockfighting fighting is a never lear- never ending venture you venture yourself and you <laughs> everything you do is based on experience
0: that's right I mean, that's right that's I'm exactly asking. right jinjin that's
1: and you you should not be afraid of asking what's happening with my bridge like what, what do i have to do next you always raise the bar once you raise the bar it's mean and you're you're you welcome you you welcome uh, opinions from from anybody who knows about chickens. Maybe a person that doesn't know about chickens, that makes sense. Right. It's all, for, it's all right. for you to decide which one to get and which ones not to get.
0: Right, right. That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right, Jin Jin. And I want to just spend a little bit more time. So guys, what I want to do just, you know, Jin Jin explained it. So let's just recap what he just said. You know, Jinjin Jin talks about, you know, what he learned from his experience, over the years, uh, that having uh, his birds, and we'll say his birds because he's talking from his experience, Jinjin Jin realized that having his birds in a controlled environment or controlled cockhouse, with controlling the humidity, you know, controlling the temperature and everything like that, he realized that you know, from the cockhouse to showtime is going to be about a thirty-minute process, and in that thirty-minute process, the temperature can probably change between five, seven, six, eight, nine degrees. And what he learned is, is everything that he was controlling in the cockhouse. Once the bird left the cockhouse, it didn't take nothing but, you know, what five minutes or so, and it seems like you, you know, everything that you was doing in the cockhouse just pretty much went out the window when it comes to climate control, right? The effects of climate control.
1: Right. So you you can feel your bird. You can feel your bird from the cockhouse. They would feel good. Then. After the healing, you feel it again. It's going to be different. And when it goes to the ring, it's going to be different too. I mean, right. but you know, you, you must know how, when the bird feels right, when the bird feels right, but the, the bird should pick, not in the cock house, not in the healing area, not on the waiting, not not on the waiting area, not on the ring. They should feel right when you're about to release the bird sometimes i mean once they pick they should pick once you release the bird because sometimes by heating when while you're heating the bird they tend to overheat and once you're at the peak already what's your tendency if you're up there you would go down
0: right and, and Jin Jin that that's uh, again and I don't I'm not harping on this but I, I just want to make sure we we're really understanding because this is some very very important information because it's a lot of the, like I said if guys are paying attention to the details there's a lot of information here so mm-hmm. so again we got the controlled climate you know you're saying that you know we lead that controlled climate they come out they're going to be in two different things your job is is to make sure that he is feeling at his best, or so he's right the time of show. So you have between a cock house and show time is when your experience jumping to keep that bird's body feeling or getting that bird's body feeling the way you want it to feel. Mm-hmm. That's the time period you have, right? From the time you leave the cockhouse to the time mm-hmm. they show. It's your job to make adjustments within that. You say, even as, and I know we talked earlier, you say, even as when you're when you're healing the bird. You're feeling a bird as you're healing a bird, and it's mm-hmm. even times that you make adjustments uh, when you you know as you're when you're healing the bird, you make adjustments even there, um, mm-hmm. and the goal is is getting his body to feel exactly to way I want him to feel, right? The
1: right moisture,
0: right? The everybody, right moisture. So that's going to be that's going to be the next thing that we're going to we going to we going to um, uh, touch on is is the moisture. But before we get to that. So, guys, understand this. You know, you're taking them out of control climate. It may even be better to keep your birds in a climate of the place where they'll be competing so they have less fluctuation in their their temperature, correct?
1: You're right. Say that again. Say that again. I was.
0: Oh, you was reading some comments yeah i know the comments is coming up left and right and guys we're going to get to the comments for sure but i just want to make sure because this this is also going to go on a podcast and there's a lot of comments that's not going to be being able to be seen on a podcast so i just want to make sure we get a lot of good details in here in the audio so from what you were saying jinjin it's that you want to make the least drastic change in temperature when you're dealing with the birds because temperature change is going to affect them totally. It's going to affect them. So Mm -hmm. the adjustment that you made in the cock house, when you take him out the cock house, if he's out of the cock house for 10 minutes, you might have to make another adjustment. If he sits Mm -hmm. out there 15 minutes longer than you planned, you may have to feel him again and make another adjustment. You constantly Mm -hmm. have to keep your hands on a bird for what you're saying Mm -hmm. to monitor the way this bird feel from the beginning to the end. huh?
1: Right, right. Because uh, temperature and humidity play a big factor on the body moisture of your chicken. Right. As simple as that.
0: And it just because you have it right in a cock house, that doesn't mean anything. Because if he you're hadn't been in a cock go. house for 30 minutes, it doesn't uh-huh. matter.
1: Uh huh. And doesn't guarantee you that you're going to be right on the ring.
0: They're wow. going to feel well, I I hope everybody's taking note to that because, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a very powerful thing. And, and it's not seen a lot. So Jen, Jen, tell me this, because we're going to talk about moisture control. Right. And in that moisture control, you said that is that's extremely important. Moisture control mm-hmm. is key. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're pretty much feeling when you're feeling him. That right feeling is when you know he got the right moisture. Right. Uh huh. So tell me this, Jinjin. Jin. We talked about even when you're healing a bird, you even make adjustments there. You told me a little funny story about you know they had pellets one time. he was at a show, and a bird uh, got hit, and he had it out on a uh, out on a floor.
1: Uh, <laughs> many times, many times.
0: Many times. <laughs> what what okay, what, Jinjin? Jin, tell it, tell it, tell us that. Let Jinjin Jin tell you the story, or, or at least one one time. This story, he told me this early. I was just cracking up. So, Ginger, what happened to you with those pellets that was all on the floor in the middle of the fight?
1: Okay, wait, wait, wait. wait, wait we started in the cockhouse. We started. Okay, in the cock house. okay. This is the common practice of most of the cockers here in the Philippines. I, I don't know about the, the American, the states. In Guam, they do this too. I mean, this is what they do. Okay, the runner goes to your cockhouse. They would say limber. Okay, you pull out your chicken from the. The cage, and you put it on a three by three pen. you limber. What do the people do in your cockhouse? I mean, what do they do? They get another chicken, show the chicken to the the uh, bird, the bird you're, you're going to fight, and then they go, they move the chickens, they show the chickens, and the ones you're going to fight, they they would start moving. That's common practice. I don't know about in Puerto Rico, but in the Philippines, it's a common practice. But hey. I used to do that. I used to do that. But common sense again. Common sense again. Why do you do that? Because why? You do that because do you want to get your chicken active? Do you want to look at them to be sharp? But, hey, why do that now? The question is, why do that? You do not want your chicken to pick in the house Once they start moving, they start to be attentive and everything. They, they, they're they really conscious about the environment. Let them do that in the ring, not in the house So if they tell you limber you limber, then let it be. Just get used to this, the, the lights. You do not want your chicken to pick in the ring re- in the cough house. Mm-hmm. So don't for me, simply I hey, why do we do this? Oh, it's common practice. Oh, we've been doing this for a long time. Hey, mm-hmm. hey, common sense. Once your chicken picks, what's the tendency? It's up here, it's already there. What's gonna happen? It's gonna go down. So don't let your chicken pick. Inside, a cockhouse. house. Okay. Now we go to the healing area. We go to the healing area. This, this is where I make my adjustments. Right? I would feel the bird. Once I feel the bird, I know what to do with it. Maybe it's not perfection though. Maybe 80% of the time, I know what, what to do with my birds secret for me is pellets. Depends if, they, if they're dry, I wet the pellets, feed them. If they're a little bit wet, I feed them pellets. Sometimes a teaspoonful, sometimes a spoonful, or sometimes maybe more than a spoonful. Or wow. sometimes six, six pellets, six pieces of pellets, 12 pieces of pellets. Or sometimes I don't feed them at all if they feel right. But what does a pellet do to your chicken? A pellet is like a sponge, okay? It's like a sponge. You, okay, you do an experiment. You you put some water on the table, get a sponge, put the sponge there, and after a few seconds, you lift the sponge, the water in the table will be, will suck, the, the sponge will suck the water in the table. It's the way it is. I mean, pellets, it's like something you would. It's like uh, it's like your secret weapon. It will make the adjustments for you. Once your chicken is wet, it sucks up the moisture in them in an only in a short period of time. Or, or the the, the pellets would absorb the 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 humidity or the moisture coming in. While you are on the healing area, or while while you are on the waiting area, it's simple it as that. It's a sponge is an absorber of moisture. When you when you when you're in the ring and your chicken, you, you let your chicken walk. And the way in the Philippines is different from from uh, from the States and in Mexico. We, we let the chicken walk. Let the chicken walk. And then it's, the, the thing is once the pellets hardens like a ping pong ball inside the crap of your bird, that means to say it's holding, it's holding the moisture. It's absorbing the moisture inside and absorbing the moisture coming from the outside. And you can feel your birds changing. Your bird would be, I mean, it's a field that it it's like instinct. I mean, it's. It, i've learned this first from a long 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 years of experience you know when the field the, when the bird feels right it's it's like pushing your hands i mean the chicken doesn't want to be held it's like expanding and when you it's really attentive and one thing it relapses them. I mean, if your if your chicken gets overheated, or you you overwarm it up, or you kind of like you got them mad, or I mean, everybody knows when you're angry, you make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. But if your chicken is relaxed, you don't let them. I mean, they peck or they over you heat them too much. They would tend to be mad and they would rush and they would be dead in, in the. It means they would be dead. Once your chicken rushed in the Philippines, they would be dead. So you have to have your chickens relax and you release it away from the other bit and let them do the thing. But hey, they lose, they win, but you got it there. But you cannot get them 100% of the time. You're 80% of the time that they would feel good, that's good enough for me. Mm-hmm. Let's say you have five birds. They wouldn't feel the same. They would not feel the same, even though you feed them, you, even though you feed them the same feed, same amount, same water. They're going to be they they're going to feel different from each other. They're not the same, but you get them eighty percent. If you get them one hundred percent, that's very good. But keep putting them there in the right moisture. That doesn't guarantee you a win. Right. But at least at least you got there and there will be no one to blame because you did you did all your best to get your chicken there and that's it it's simply that that we i mean i used to i used to i mean i i need to control the environment and the cows and everything but hey what's the key cuz I've been, I've been. I mean, I feed my some of my chickens there. When they when they get get hit, the, the feet will be on the rig. They they would will, people will be laughing at me. But I did it. I tried to do something different. Right. Maybe they're laughing at me now, but I've been doing this consistently for almost six years now, and I've been right. winning. I, I've i I've, I've got more wins than losses. Right. And. That's what I, I mean, for you guys that are listening, I mean, it's as simple as that. You have to have common sense and you don't really, you always make adjustments on the things you do, the things you do with your chickens, and you go from there. Because once you make a mistake, that's where you learn, once you make a mistake. Right. If you do everything right, for you, you do everything right, then stop stop going to tough bikes anymore. You're Mr. Perfect. Right.
0: <laughs> You're Mr. Perfect.
1: I, I'm, I'm not a perfect guy, but I make adjustments and I learn through my experience, learn through my mistakes. Right. And until now, I mean, I'm learning. That's why I go around, I'm learning and I see people how they do it. Maybe I can pick up a few and maybe... I can pick them up all up. I mean, I would right. try to introduce it to my program, and then if it didn't work, then go to another step, a new program. But right now, this 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 is this is very simple. I mean, no changing of feeds, no controlled environment. I mean, and it's it's for me it's all the moisture that counts for the chickens. I don't. I I, I cannot say that are automatically going to lose. Drivers are automatically going to lose. They win. They win. I mean, plus the knock knees or the bow legged or the one with bad knees, they also win. But I'd rather have the straight legged chickens than having a knock knee or a bow legged chicken. I'm not into perfection. I'm into like... Because perfection for me is like 80% of the time on chicken fight. Right. That's it. I mean, I I'm here, I'm always open. You can ask me questions, I'm always open to suggestions. And I have to once I hear something, I have to do it with my chickens. If it's possible, if it's not. Right. Anything that has every suggestion you can absorb. But you have to have this trial and error. Right. And uh, we're in life, it's like you learn. You have to learn from experience and learn from your mistakes. And you
0: can't be afraid to try new things. uh You have to be humble. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's a big thing, a part of the whole equation, is mm-hmm. being humble. I've, I've done a lot
1: with my chickens. I've, done, I've got enough experiences in, in chickens, but I I'm here to explore.
0: I'm here to explore. Right, right. So, so Jinjin, Jin, I mean, look, to, to you have definitely gave us a wealth of information, um, and I believe you know you you brought up a lot of points that obviously you know we didn't talk about in other interviews. Um, mm-hmm. And I I think, you know, a lot of the viewers, and they're going to be talking a lot after this interview is over. As you can know, they have a lot of questions in the comment section. Um, You know, if you can get around to them, to get to them, that'd be great. Um, But some of the things that you talked about, and I think, I know for me, taken away, is, you know, you believe from your, your success over the last, what you say, five, six, seven years, is when you start to simplify your program, because you talked about, you know, you want to have a good program uh, with your birds, right? You don't, you, over said, do you
1: don't overdo it.
0: Right. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. And and you talked about having a simple as you simplified your program, things became more consistent and easier mm-hmm. to manage. huh? Yes, it is.
1: It's done good for me. I got a higher percentage of winning.
0: Right, mm. right, right, right. right. Jinjin, Jin, I'm telling you, it's been amazing, man. But but what I want to talk to you also about too, you know, kind of our last topic. Um, wait, wait, I know a lot of.
1: I just want to tell one more thing, okay?
0: Yeah. In the
1: Philippines, I mean, the big boys, the big boys. They got they buy the best birds, they have the best handlers. But the thing is, what's your percentage? They're, like, under 60%. Even under 60%? Under 60%. If you have all the money in the world, you have the best chickens, everything. I mean, you got everything. But hey, the, left, the, the, the playing field is even now. It's all level. No one can dominate the chicken fighting in the Philippines. You can win a derby today, but tomorrow it's not your day. Right. I mean, if you if you say you have the best of everything, but that means to say that you're not going to lose. No, that's not the way the Philippines. You probably end up picking bird, dead birds in the ring. I right. mean, right. Uh, based on the the fights I've seen and based on the statistics, they can be copper of the year in the Philippines. If You get a year guarantee it's somewhere between sixty percent to sixty five percent. But all the big boys.
0: They go under 60%. They go under 60%. <laughs>
1: That's
0: the playing field is tough and is level. That's the thing. Uh-huh. It's tough and it's a level playing field. Uh huh. Right. And even okay. the guys with the best birds, the best feed, the best handlers, they still doing under 60%. Yes.
1: That's how competent, how tough the competition in the Philippines is. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Wow. Well, well, Jinjin, I do want to I do want to touch on this last topic though, uh, because I think it's extremely important. You know, you talked about the simplifying of your program. You know, uh, let's just talk a little bit about you know uh, not your selection, but you say, you told you said earlier when we talked that you keep an X amount of birds always, like in a pre-keep, right? Mm-hmm. So, how do you determine on which ones you're going to show? Since you got 50 birds in a pre-keep, how do you determine which ones you're going to show and when you're going to show them?
1: Okay. This is how it goes. I keep my birds sometimes three days before, two days before. Okay. Okay. I pick the birds, I say I spar. I spar. Probably on a one a derby, let's say a five-cock derby, I probably have 50 birds to spar. Out of the 50 birds, the ones that I feel that's uh, moving well and hitting well or stretching or reaching, I'll probably pick, like, 12. Maybe. It depends. Okay. Let's say I was able to pick 12. Okay. First day, I would pay them. Let's say I sparred them. Let's say, let's say I, I, I'm on a three-day team. I probably sparred. I'll, I'll be fighting them, let's say, Sunday. Sunday. Okay, I'll spar them Wednesday. I'll bathe them Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'll keep, I'll rest them Friday. And Saturday, I would pick the ones I'm gonna fight. Mm. Because the Sunday is the fight time, right? And the submission would be one day before the fight. Let's say I'm among the 12 birds, they would there would be, I will feel them all. Let's say I, I would feel like the the ones that are would feel right would be let's say ten. Then I'll fight them all. I'll have two shows. If I only feel what's right is seven, I would go with the best ones though. The best one, I'll pick right. five on their field. I wouldn't base them on their sparring. Let's say let's say on sparring they would be A, A minus, uh, B, D plus or whatever. I would really base, I, I always base, I always base, the birds I pick are the ones that feel right based on my instinct. Got you. Okay. Got you. I right, then I go, call them and submit the way. But I always so, have extra though, I you always have, have extra. extra. That would be close to the weight of the ones I'm fighting. Because they change though. They change. Right. Uh, when the cat passes by, they get scared or something happened on the right. way to the pit, or right. they get they, they get to be wild, or they I mean, you, there are a lot of factors. Factors. Uh, factors,
0: okay. Of,
1: so you have to have a reserve that's that's close to the weight of the so you'll, you'll have an, an alternate. Right.
0: Other alternate. So, so Jinjin, Jin, tell me this, you know, with that, like you say, is, is selection is key, you know, and you have about 50 up. So do you even do like the 21 day keeps, you know, because Philippines are, are famous for the 21 day keeps, the 14 day keeps, the 10 day keeps, like you see them all over social media. You know, these keeps do, do you, when you said you keep your birds in pre-keep, you pretty much keep them at pretty much close to fighting condition, kind of mm. all the time, right?
1: Mm, this is how it goes. I don't know. I mean, uh, we're we're very much Americanized with with the programs and everything. We're like twenty one day keep. It's it's being taught on this uh, cocking school here. I cannot say anything bad to that. Okay. This right. twenty one day keep is compared to mine is way different because. First of all, the program is this: I have the one. I I have people. I my crew is like this. I have a person that would that would feed the preconditioning at the preconditioning stage. Okay, and on the keeping stage, there's another guy. There's a guy for the one who feeds the precon preconditioning stage, and there's this guy for the keeping stage and on the final day there's a different guy too who goes to the pit mm-hmm. so there are three different people who's got their own specialty to do what they would know what Thank to do you. with the church. they focus on right. something on one thing right. one thing alone right. okay right and on but during preconditioning they they all work together on when you know you pump the bird, you put them scratch back, irritate, pipe in for a little time. Because for me, when you put the birds in the pipe, they tend to be, they tend to go wild. When they stay there for a long time, they tend to be wild. I mean, so it's we we pre like fifty birds. After a week, we go to another batch for another fifty. Then, then then from there. The the first batch would go in the evening and the second batch would go in the morning. After another week, they, they go. And then after two weeks, we spar. If I, I feel that this bird is, is right, only one or two, or there's a coming derby, I was if I would be able to see like six or seven birds, I would fight them in the derby, or if I only get to see one or two birds, I would fight them in the half-fight. It's just simple as that. Whenever you see your you feel and you see your chicken is really reaching out don't wait don't wait don't wait anymore fight them because in the Philippines it's different because we we fight every day right every day but I'm not a believer in the 21 day heat because most of the 21 day heat they go for a five cock derby they would probably have like six, seven birds. And when you spar them, if they're mediocre, why fight them? Right. I mean, I have a lot. I have the opportunity and the advantage to have a lot of birds and pick for a lot. But still, it doesn't guarantee me that I'm going to win 100% of the time.
0: That's right. That's yeah. exactly what you said earlier. There's early. no
1: guarantee. There's no guarantee. But the right. thing is, at least you're doing something right for me. Right. right. And you have the program to power. Mm-hmm. Right. It's you go into a derby that you, on a 21-day keep, it's a pork-off derby, and you have five or six birds. What if only two feels good? Right. But you're on a port talk, they're okay. This is good, but these two are mediocre. Birds. Oh, I want to fight, so I'll just fight. That means you're half, half ready because you only have two good birds, and the other, the other two are mediocre. I mean, they're average. I
0: mean, average, and, and, and I think that's why it's so important to learn a lot of these other skill sets. Uh-huh. So, not only if you can determine on your selection. But if your birds are not feeling right, you got to be able to possess some skills to kind of fine tune them to where you need them to be. And if you don't possess some skills and you can't make no adjustments, when a bird is off, you're just lost. Like, it's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, you're just lost. You know, somebody with more experience, the bird's a little off, they can mm-hmm. make a few adjustments and get that bird body or that moisture mm-hmm. content to exactly where it needs to be. That's why, like you say, with, with the experience but the importance of understanding on how to make those adjustments, not just how to make them, but why to make them, why to give them this, why to give them that, why not to give them this, why not to give them that. Those are big, big keys because they can spark good, look good and everything. But if you got them in a cock house that's 12 degrees different than that's inside this place and, you know, all of them different changes, all of that work you've done over the last, you know, 21 days, 28 days, whatever it is, you lost it all on the last end.
1: Uh-huh. That's when you make a boo-boo, man. That's when you make a boo-boo. <laughs> <laughs> so things, so do happen. things do happen, man. Sometimes you, yeah, make a, you make mistakes. I mean, you're... right. You, yeah, but you have to be honest enough to admit it to yourself.
0: I messed up. That's right. I uh-huh. messed up. But you know what, Jinjin, Jin, we gonna close this thing out. But I wanted to say, say this last thing that we talked about earlier. It was the fact that you made a very good point. You was explaining to me like in different style, uh, different style weapons. Like you, we were talking about short knife, and you know, you were saying in short knife they got to be healthy. They really got to be healthy. They got to be game, and they got they really got to be healthy. And you got a pretty good chance. Is that what you? Why you kind of feel like that with the, with the short knife?
1: It's the short night sometimes, most of the time it goes over a minute, most of the bites. Like the long night, they go under a minute. Okay. You have to have, they have to stay healthy, like me, because I know all my birds and my handlers, my breeders and my handlers know all my birds. Once that bird got sick when he was young or he was little or he was a star, oh, that's not for a derby. We keep it, fight it in a half bite or give it away. That's how I do it. Once my bird got sick when he was young, or when he was old and he got sick, might as well give them away. There's no, they're not going to lose, but they can win also. But don't keep it for yourself. For me, I'd rather give them away and let them bite at my pay. I still make money for that. Okay, oh, because right. they, right.
0: they bite. <laughs> I mean, so, it, so. It,
1: it's it, but keeping your birds healthy that means to say they're good enough i mean some people they oh i need to give them vitamins and everything every day vitamins what because you're you're making the 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 the, what you call this the the poultry supply rich or this uh branded thing because you're buying all their vitamins you don't need those things for me maybe they have a different opinion but If your birds are healthy, why give them vitamins or give them? You raise them right. Then they they did not get sick and they're performing well. Why, if you're overdoing it, if you you look at them, they're healthy, they don't need anything. Why give them something that they don't need? Right. Everything in, in excess is bad. I mean, right. Wait, you look at your bird, why do you give them? Be complex. I know they help, though. But your right. birds—they're they, your birds—are healthy. I mean, you raise them. Right. Why give them something that, that they don't need because they're already there?
0: Right. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to, I wanted to close the point out with that because when we talked about that, you know, I'm big on the health. I always say, listen, I made a T-shirt that says "No to Drugs" and it has a chicken on it with a syringe. You know, because Uh I'm all about natural, keeping them healthy. Mm -hmm. I always say health, 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 health. You got to keep the birds healthy all of the time, Mm -hmm. all of the time. Because to me, just based on my experience, and we're not going to go into this on this episode, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like I talked to you, what was the keys to my success in Puerto Rico is having an extremely healthy bird in good Mm -hmm. shape. Because I don't really know. I can't get down the point and aspect of it and all that. But I know my chances are very, very good if my bird is very healthy and he's in good shape i got a really good chance and that's Mm -hmm. pretty much what i bank on you know it's other things you know our system is different so we can't make adjustments because we don't have access and all of that so Uh i had to fall back on making that adjustment which is your bird got to be really healthy Mm -hmm. and he has to be in good shape he can't just be pulled out the cage and all that because there's a good chance he might go 12 minutes and pulling Mm -hmm. him out the cage He's not going to be strong from one minute to 11 and a half minutes. That's not going to happen. I don't care what breed he is or anything like that. That's just not going to happen. He ain't got 12 minutes of throwing blows non stop. That's like a, a boxer. He can't punch no punching bag non stop for 12 minutes straight. That's why they had three minute rounds to give him a little break. You know, imagine mm-hmm. if they have a three minute round, say, okay, fight for 12 minutes. They ain't in that kind of shape. You know, even these professional MMA fighters and all that, they got five-minute rounds, three-minute rounds. Why they just don't have a 20-minute round? Because they mm-hmm. just can't take it. So, but yeah, Jinjin, listen, this been a, look, we almost had two hours. Um, this been a, and we talked about wow. basically one topic, which I, I think is good. We gave these guys two hours on moisture control, keep, Feed. I mean, that was all all it within preparing them for showtime. Mm-hmm. Two hours on talking about that. I think that was probably, you know, the first time it's been we, we have done that. Spent two hours on one topic. Um, but I, I, I hope the guys that's watching, which I'm pretty sure from the comments, they have learned a lot. There's a lot of information that you put out there. You gave us a lot of understanding of why certain things are done. Certain ways talked about the importance of moisture, how to control moisture. You know, uh, your keep program, your feed and program, how you do make adjustments, why you make adjustments, you know, temperature control. So we covered a whole lot in this two hours. I'm pretty sure these guys are going to watch this interview over and over and over to grasp. And, and it would be a lot of stuff that they can take out of it. And some of this stuff may not apply. But um, but uh, like I say, JJ, I don't know if you have anything. Last words or last things you want to say?
1: Maybe you learn something from us. Maybe for two hours you learn a little. Maybe you, so hopefully you learn a lot. But please don't bash us. I mean, yeah. That's, uh, everything I said does it, it does not guarantee a win, but it's just making your before you, your chicken should feel good when you release them. That's the Main thing. I mean. It's whatever you do, it's all on you. It's your instinct that will help you. In fighting chickens, the way we're learning through internet and everything, you must have common sense. It's as simple as that. If you, wrong is wrong, even even though people are doing it, but wrong is wrong. But right is right. Even people are not doing it. Right, I mean, just think and have common sense and probably be open. Be open. Right. Once be you're open. open, be open. Because Ray Alexander once visited my farm here in the Philippines, and he told me, and I asked him, why Why did you come here? And he goes to me, Jen, if you say you know everything, that means you're going down. And chickens, right. you never stop learning. That's why I'm here old i'm here but i never stop learning so for you guys man, I mean don't stop learning mm-hmm. okay. you learn from your mistakes mm-hmm. all right
0: yes well jinjin Jin, i greatly appreciate it man it's been an awesome interview you have already promised so i'm gonna hold you to your word that you will be coming on another episode correct
1: uh, people may would request another episode. Why not? Man? But we will be. Yeah, talking. everybody already. <laughs> they already <laughs> requested. And we'll be keeping in touch. Man. We'll be keeping in touch.
0: Yes, we definitely will be keeping in touch a lot, a lot. We'll be keeping in touch a lot because, again, it, you, you've been a wealth of information, not only to me. Um, but to a lot of people watching this episode and and I had the privilege to be able to talk to you outside of the episode. And it's just I was talking to a guy earlier today. I said, man, you know, uh, I was talking to some guys on, on Instagram and I was like, man, we got a great interview coming tonight. You know, I had opportunity to talk to him over the last week and a half, multiple conversations, man. And it's just a pleasure to hear you know, the thing I really like also, too, is how you went out there, you did things that was unorthodox, you you, you, you work with birds that wasn't common, you know, and, and you became a success out of all of it. I think that speaks volumes, but I hope guys watching that and watching this interview would take some inspiration from that, that you went out there and started doing things that nobody else in the industry was doing. Mm-hmm. Everybody thought you was crazy. And you turn out being a success with it, with the way you was tying those knives and using the domes. I mean, that that speaks volumes, you know, again, to you, you're a very humble person, you know, you're a very humble person, but people looking at it, that's a huge inspiration because you was like a trailblazer on two things that really made a huge impact on the industry as a whole in the Philippines. So mm-hmm. like I said, I take my hats off to you about that. Um, I look forward to another interview sooner than later. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about another topic for two hours because Jinjin Jin told me, Jim, listen, It might be better to talk about, you know, one or two things because we can't talk about everything because it'll take me forever to talk about that. Because, you know, I was asking Jinjin everything. How do you vaccinate? How do you do this? How do you do that? He's like, look, we don't need to talk about all that. It's going to take too long. Let's Uh, just talk about a couple things and then we'll do another interview. So, guys, from the comment section, Jinjin, I guess you can see they love the interview. mm -hmm. They're looking forward to another one. Hope to have you on sooner than later. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, remember, uh, it is—I think—is a great idea that we should start a a journey to the pit three sixty-two in the Philippines with you as the co-host. So I'm just putting you on the spot right now while everybody got their eyes on you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh well, man. Anything for the.
0: I. it, Jin Jin. I greatly appreciate it. You have a great day since it's daytime there and not nighttime. Everybody uh-huh. watching, y'all have a great night. Stay focused, stay positive, stay blessed. Thank Mr. Jinjin Jin in the comments. Reach out to him. And like I said, we'll be seeing him sooner than later. Mr. Jinjin, Jin right. Jin, you have a great evening and thank you for okay. coming on.
1: Okay, Jim. Good night and Thanks. don't let the bed uh-huh. bugs bite
0: i hear that <laughs> you, been, you must have been living in, in <laughs> california huh <laughs> all right Jin Jin, you have a good night man
1: you too man thank you thank okay you.
0: Bye-bye. bye 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 guys right. bye all righty guys man that was an awesome awesome interview um mr Jinjin. Jin, you know we spent basically two hours on one solid topic you know, every aspect of it, I'll say a category, you know, we spent about two hours on one category. Um, Mr. Jin Jin dropped a wealth. I mean, a wealth of information. Um, and it gave us a lot of understanding and insight on a lot of things. And I have taken multiple things away from this interview, um, that I think I'll always keep with me. Um, he made some very, very good points on a lot of things. As y'all guys know, the man has competed all over the world. Um, so he has seen this sport in many different fashions, from many different climates, many different situations. Uh, you know, so again, uh, like I say, this is an interview, just like all of them. But watch these interviews over. You know, he's a wealth of information, and and again, his unorthodox ways he has proven has been successful. He's like a trailblazer he start off with something that everybody think is crazy and before you know it everybody's doing it because he has showed them how to be successful about it like he said you got to stay open-minded you can't be afraid to try new things you don't have to do what everybody else is doing you know and 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 make sure that you not only know how to do something but you know why you doing it um and again if you go back and watch this whole entire interview it's a wealth of information but Not just the key things of how he's saying how to do things, but understanding his principle and his philosophy and his approach to his sport. So, guys, it's been another great episode. We have more coming. I will go ahead and post up the next special guest that we have. But we'll be seeing Jin Jin back on the show again. Um, and, And like I say, we have a I'll probably be posting this, posting our next guest tomorrow and let you know the date and time for that. It'll probably be next Friday. It may not be pushed out that far. We'll see because we have a stack roster right now. We got a stacked roster of a lot of guests that we need to get on the show. And if I do it every week, it will be all the way until September till we see some of these guys. So I might even start doing two interviews a week. We'll see. And guys, remember, we still got to finish out the next generation with the rest of the youth the up-and-comer game for our breeders, we still have some more of those on the list that we got to get through also. So, you know, don't be surprised if we're doing interviews next Wednesday and Friday for the next couple weeks. So, like I say, stay po- uh, you know, stay focused. Make sure that uh, y'all guys are paying attention to the Journey to the Pit uh, Facebook page. Make sure y'all guys are subscribing to the Journey to the Pit YouTube channel and also to the podcast. When y'all guys are out on the yard feeding chickens and all that, put on a podcast, put on a, you know, one of those air, air, air pods, or, you know, uh, some Bluetooth headphones or something like that. And listen to these interviews as you're out there on the yard. You can also listen to them, uh, on your, on your radio inside your car. If you got satellite radio, the podcast can be listened, you know, on your way to work on your way home or on your way on the road. So I hope y'all, all all y'all guys, like I said, enjoy this interview tonight. Mr. Ginger to try to get to uh, some of the questions uh, in the comment section when he does have time. But other than that, guys, remember, stay focused, stay positive, stay blessed. And I'll see all y'all guys soon. Have a great evening.